stand together. <clears throat> and when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, on the Sabbath, on the day that we rest, on the not Monday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, not Thursday, not Friday, not Saturday, but on Sunday, on the day of rest, in your place of rest, in your position of rest, he grabbed the book that had more prophecies about Jesus than any other Old Testament prophet. The book that has 66 chapters, representative of the 66 books of the Bible. The first 49, the first 39 chapters in the Old Testament, proclaiming the, the law and proclaiming the judgment. But the last, but the last 27 chapters, like the book in the New Testament, declaring that God was a Savior. God still saves. That's what He does best is He saves. He saved us. He saved you. He saved me. He saved him in the hospital. He's still in the business of saving. He stood up and he grabbed the book from the prophet Isaiah, the book that proclaims hope, the, the book that declares all the things. Ironically, in that same book, number 49, Isaiah chapter 49, where he references this. Isaiah chapter 49 is equivalent to Ephesians. Ephesians addressed to believers who are rich beyond measure. We still live as beggars. He stands up to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus for good works to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He stands up with this book. Of all the books, He stands up and He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. You, you can't recognize the anointing on you till you recognize the anointing on him. You can't proclaim, you can't, you can't proclaim the Spirit of the Lord is upon you till you recognize and realize that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. You can't embrace the anointing that's in you till you embrace his anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Of all the things that he could have listed first, of all the things that he could have listed first, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to those who are dying and going to hell. He anointed me to preach the gospel. to what? What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. He's anointed me to preach the good news. Of all the things he could have listed, he listed poor. Wow, that's talking about poor in spirit. No, that's your version of watering it down. That's religion's version of trying to water down the good news of the gospel. The good news is you don't have to be poor in any shape, form, or fashion because the good news has come to us, been proclaimed. To preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I don't know about you, but I've been brokenhearted before. Had my heart broke. He heals it to proclaim liberty to captives. You've been in bondage before. He proclaims the liberty to recovery of sight to the blind. You've been blind. We've been blind before. To set at liberty, to set free, to pro to embrace, to, to exercise that freedom towards us who've been oppressed. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If there's a proclamation to be preached of the acceptable year of the Lord, then that means there's a non-acceptable message that preaches not the acceptable year of the Lord. If there's a message that preaches and declares the gospel to the poor, that means there's a message, there's a counterfeit, there's an obstructive message that tells you you have to be poor. If there's a message that declares to, to set the captives free, that means there's a counterfeit message that says you've got to keep that bondage all your life. Will you believe with me this morning Father in the name of Jesus we release our faith to hear what it is that you want to say I release my faith that you would make my tongue the pen of a ready writer that I would speak a word that only you have written in our hearts that I would be the one to this morning and that we would leave this place proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. Give us a clear picture. What we can't see, open our eyes. What we don't know, reveal it to us by revelation right now in Jesus' name. We've asked you for that. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. We're going I don't want to take up a lot of time because I feel like God has done so much this morning already. But can I get you to turn to Acts chapter 4 real quick? Acts chapter 4. I sent this to the team this morning. And I felt like I needed to remind you of it. We look around and we see empty chairs. We look around and we see things that are contrary to what we're exercising our faith for. And I'm reminded that in Easter, when Jesus rose and appeared and appeared to the disciples and did many things, the disciples, and then he, was, he ascended onto, onto heaven, and there was another wave of discouragement that came. There was another wave that came to the body of believers until they were surrounded by the upper room. And when they came together in the upper room, not 600, not 800, but 120, a fraction of what followed Jesus. And in that upper room, they prayed and they they came together in unity, and the Holy Spirit came and anointed them all. So the gospel went out. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested because they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the kingdom of God. And they're arrested for doing the very thing that they were anointed to do. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you've been con uh, that you've been conflicted? You ever feel like you've been persecuted? You ever feel like you've met resistance for doing the very thing that you know you're called to do? That you were born to do? And it feels like resistance. It, feel like, it just feels like friction. It feels like everything's falling apart when we're in good company. So they were thrown in prison. They were beaten, persecuted. And in verse 23, it says, and being let go, you're always going to be let go. They can't keep you forever. And being let go, they went into their own companions. How valuable is it to be amongst your own people? 
How important is it to be around people who juice you up, who stir you up? They went unto their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things, and the kingdom, the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They're praying. They say, Lord, you've done all this. We see all this. We've heard all this. And what did they come together to pray about? And now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They could have prayed a number of things. They could have said a lot of things. What did they say? They said, Lord, we know you are God. Lord, we know you've called and ordained and ordered all the things that have happened. We know that you are in charge. We know that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. We know all of that. Oh, and by the way, these folks that's been threatening us, protect us, help us, deliver us. No, grant unto thy servant that with more boldness, with more signs and wonders, with more, there's more for us. I'm not satisfied with where we're at. I'm not satisfied with where we're at. Lord, I want more. I don't mean more as in God is withholding more from us. I'm saying I want more of what's in us to come out of us and manifest itself. In He said in the last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams and your old men will see visions. And you shall proclaim and you shall demonstrate and you shall exercise and you shall do. There's more inside of us than what we know. And we're just scratching the surface. And we derive our significance, we derive our importance, we derive our excitement, our joy from the things around us. Don't get me wrong, I, I believe in fruit, I believe in more. I'm stretching forth my faith and I'm stretching forth the faith of the leadership and we're saying, Lord, we desire to see your boldness, to see your word, to see the exercises, to see the demonstration of your power and your spirit more than we ever have before. But there comes a place where we have to rest in that. And we have to believe that and we come together. And it says that after they prayed, the place, while they were playing, the place where they gathered began to shake. You believe in with me. Are you believing with him, with this, that the place that we stand will begin to shake? And I don't mean naturally, although that would be nice. I'm talking about on the inside. Is there something on the inside of us that causes us to shake for the kingdom? That, called, that there's such a demonstration and an influential power that we carry with us that it shakes people around us. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus came and he said, look here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He desires for us to encounter God. In the next coming weeks, we're going to be talking about our vision. We're going to be casting the vision for one love. What better way to do that than to get a grasp of what Jesus' vision was, of what the kingdom vision was. Number one was to encounter God, preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said, if you've seen me, I only do, I only say what I hear and what I see my Father do. He said, I came to show, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's an encounter with God that people need. I love the servants. I love us gathering together. But there's something that transpires when they come into this place, they should encounter God. When they come into your house and my house and your place of work, they should encounter God. The Spirit of the Lord is not just upon Him. Guess what? It's upon you. They can encounter God. He said encounter God. Number two, experience freedom. Heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives. You don't get freedom. You experience freedom. You don't do anything to work for freedom. If you have to work for freedom, that's not true freedom. Freedom is experienced. It's a gift. You experience freedom. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this to freedom. Number three, embrace their purpose. Recovery of sight to the blind. We've been blinded. We think and we see and we know in part. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, and He reveals things to us about who we are. And now our eyes are open to see who we are, and we discover our purpose. And last but not least, He said, set at liberty. There's there's an expression that comes from a place of liberty where you now function in your gift because of that expression that Jesus gave us. How many of you want to, how many of you, be honest, want to encounter God in a greater way? I do. I don't need more of God in my life because I have God, but I can get to know Him and become more familiar with Him and His presence and His knowledge and become more intimate. All the 12 disciples that walked, Jesus had three and then He had one. Ironically, the disciple that the Lord loved, being me, of all the disciples, you want to take a wild guess at the one that did not die from torture, that did not die, they tried to boil him, but it didn't work, John. There's a a connection between the love of God and the freedom of God and the expression of God. There's a connection when you know that love that passes understanding, there's something that the world can't take away from you. There's there's, There's a love that you know that you derive your joy, you derive your significance, you derive your purpose from that love, from that intimate. You can't get more of God, but you can get to know Him more. Thank you. You can't get more of God, but you can get to know Him more. You can become familiar with Him to where you you move and you breathe and you, you are so tender towards the voice of the Lord that He impresses upon you and you do it. There's a place that we get to like that. We're bombarded with so much junk. We're bombarded with so much. I mean, it is amazing the amount of information that we can consume in one day. And he's there with us the whole time. 
He loves us. He's not judging us. I don't see judgment anywhere in Luke chapter 4. Do you? I don't see condemnation anywhere in Luke chapter 4. All I see is a man who's part God, part man, comes and demonstrates and expresses himself to us to such a way that he touches every single thing that could possibly happen in our lives. And he says, I've come to give you that freedom. I've come to save you. He is the great redeemer. He's the one who buys back the wasted years. He's the way maker. He buys back wasted years. He buys back wasted years. You think you've wasted years. You, you think you've wasted time. He's the great buybacker. He buys back. He goes into the future and purchased that time. And he comes and he gives it so that you make up in one year what it would have taken you ten years to do. Only he can do that. Listen to me, beloved. I'm telling you. He buys back time. He can take what you think has been lost. He can find it, increase it, and give it back to you as if you'd never lost it. Only he can do that. He's the great buybacker. Not linebacker. Buybacker. He goes into the past. See, he, he's not confounded. He's not confined by time. He goes back. He sees all of that. He sees everything. And he purchased your redemption. So he goes into the future and he grabs it and he hands it to you and says, here it is. Run with it. I can redeem the time. Wasted years. Is that, am I the only one in here that feels like sometimes I have wasted time? Mama Cleveland, you feel like in your life there are things if you could do differently, you would have done them differently. But at the same time, you also recognize that when you submitted yourself and lined yourself up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He came into your life and bought back and redeemed the things that you thought would never be possible, and they are possible. And your son and your daughter in love and your grandchildren are a result of that buybacking power. When we sit here today, you think that the Holy Spirit... You think for one second that God can't take your situation in one day. Oh, in one day. He took Joseph, who had been sold out by his brothers. Not just thrown under the bus, thrown under the buses. Y'all remember the barn, the bus barn where they keep all the buses? You think that he doesn't? He throwed them under the bus. But what the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good. And in one moment of time, he went from slave to number two. He went from pauper to prince. What a difference one day can make. What a difference one day can make. Jesus comes into the synagogue just like any other day. People looking at him just like any other day. And he stands up and he proclaims what they already knew. He proclaims what they've already heard countless times. And he sits down and all the eyes are, why are they fastened on him? Because there's a difference between reading something that someone wrote and reading something from the one that you know that wrote it. There's a difference. You read that verse 
and is different. But when you read it, because you know him, because he's in you, he lives with you, he breathes in you, live and move and have your being inside of him, you read that and life comes out and gets all over people. And they're like, what? over me that feels great what is that there's a difference between reading and difference between reading from the one you know Jesus stood up and he read that verse and it says that all eyes were fastened on him why because he said something different even though he didn't change the words there was an atmosphere there was a power that came out of him and he said something different and it says they looked and their eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed. They were fixed on him. You stood up. You ever read something? You ever prayed something? And when you left, somebody came up to you and said, what's your name? Who are you? I heard you pray. I heard you read. What's different about you? All the eyes were fastened upon him. He sat down. He didn't stand up. He sat down, and they fixed upon him. And he began, it says that he began to say to them, today, this scripture, bless you, is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, today, beloved. I don't know what it is about that buybacker, but he wants you to leave this place. He wants you and I, because I know I've got my faith connected. He wants you to know that when you leave, you buy back. He's capable of taking you from here and in one year turning you into something totally different to where you can't even recognize yourself and neither can they. Are we willing? Are we willing to exercise and believe that word. Let me tell you one thing. Genesis chapter 3. What is it that keeps us from this truth? Man, there's a lot of things that keep us from this truth. But in Genesis chapter 3. There's two trees in the garden. There's two trees. And I'm going to try to land the plane with this. There's two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said of any tree, in chapter 2, verse 9, you don't have to read that, I'm just referencing it. In chapter 2, verse 9, he said of any tree you can eat, just not the one of good and evil. Why? Because he don't want you concerned with good and evil. Because you don't even need to know about evil. Because you were created in his image and his likeness. And you have his breath and you have his essence inside of you. Why are you control? Why are you even trying to think about evil? I've died to sin. Why should I who have died to it live in it any longer? We've taken this message and we've turned it into do's and don'ts. He says don't eat from the do and don't tree. Just eat from... I am tree. I didn't even tend to say that, but now that was good. I am the tree of life. Eat from the I am tree. Give me a piece of the I am fruit. I don't want no do and don't fruit. Just the I am fruit. Chapter 3. You ready? The serpent came and begins the challenge. Did God really say... And so they ate, they ate, 
And verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Something happens when you partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's called shame. Shame comes upon you, and you try to find, fasten stuff around you to cover you up. Nowadays, it's not fig leaves. It's Facebook. Nowadays, it's not intertwined vines and fig leaves. It's Instagram and Facebook. Nothing wrong with that. It's good. It's great. But we we got the best part of our said The best part of waking up is filters on my Instagram page and Facebook. We do that. But listen, and they heard the sound of, of the Lord walking in the garden, hot in the cool of the day. See, God don't come to you in the heat of the day. He comes to you in the cool of the day. And they heard the sound of him walking because they recognized who he was. They recognized him. They recognized his stance. They recognized his walk. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why? Because shame always causes you to hide yourself from the very person that can give you the deliverance you need. I talked to a friend of mine. Text. Where you been? How come you ain't been coming? And he said, I didn't say, he said, I'm ashamed. I got to get myself right. I got to get some things scraped before I come back to church. I said, that's stupid. No one does that in the natural. You don't try to do any of that in the natural. Something's broke. You run as fast as you can to where you can to get it fixed but not in the kingdom of God. That's not what we, that's not what we, in religiousness, we've taught ourselves you got to fix yourself. You better be straight and proper before you roll up in here. Why? Because if you don't, we're going to condemn you. Not us. Not one of us. But religion. And they hid themselves. Then the Lord called to him and said, where are you at? Where are you at? Of all the things, listen, of all the things he could have said, he didn't show you, like Jesus, like God didn't know what happened. So he looks at us in our place of shame. Come on now, I didn't even intend to say this. In our place of pain, in our place of shame, in our place of dirtiness. And he goes, where are you at? The religious church hasn't done that. Oh, you dirty. Why don't you go clean yourself up, and then you come back and sit on the front row. You, don't, you ain't even saved. Do you know Jesus? We can't do business with you because you don't know Jesus. That's so stupid. How many of you know where the clothes you got on your back came from? What about the gas you put in your vehicle? What about the watch and the jewelry you got on? No, our lives are so intertwined, it's not even funny. Jesus spent time. Jesus went to those places and encountered those people, and he never condemned them. He shows up and he says, where are you at? And they said, I was afraid. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The problem of our lives in stress 
in anxiety, in worry, in frustration, in shame is not because of sin, but because of fear. We're afraid. We're afraid to come to church. I know people right now at this moment, I know people that won't come here because they're afraid. Not necessarily of you or me, but because of fear. Fear causes shame. Shame causes distance. Distance causes us to focus on the wrong thing, which grows it even deeper. So you get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's why Jesus said, who doesn't leave the 99 to go after the one? Fear. I've never seen that. Can I just be honest? I've never seen that. I always thought they hid themselves because they were shamed. And they was. But what caused the shame? Fear. I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? What would have happened? And he said, that joker right there told us we was naked. Have you eaten from the tree of, the, of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, this woman, this woman you gave me. What would have happened would have been said, yeah, I did it. Dang, my bad. <laughs> I'm serious. What? Okay, so we, well, that's the foreknowledge and that was predestined and God. No, okay, that's fine. But what about now? So you just got done eating from that tree. And Jesus in Lawrence Thomas, your pastor, is saying to you, who told you you was naked? Did you eat? And what's your response going to be? Yeah, you're right, my bad. I plead the blood. That's what I say. No condemnation. Condemnation is so debilitating. Jesus never condemned. He corrected, but he didn't condemn. But even in his correction, he did it with love. Even in his correction, he didn't have stipulations. Peter ate of the wrong tree. And he was sinking. And Jesus picked him up and put him on dry ground and dried him off. He said, you good? You all right? What happened? He said, I, I, I shouldn't have ate the tree. My bad. That's all right. And then later on, he said, listen. <laughs> who revealed this to you? He's the same, and this is Peter. So he said, who do people say that I am? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Who do people say that I am? See, you can trust in your resources like the rich young ruler did. Who do people say that he's a master? Rabbi, I've done it all. And he said, you have, but you missed one thing. It never was about the money. It was about the lordship of the money over that man. He didn't say that to Nicodemus. Nicodemus's problem was his philosophy. It was his intellect. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again? That don't even make sense. Was, am I, you know, there's a smart addictness anointing on him. Shall I go into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus, with the kind and gentleness, no, fool. You know, you understand with this, his problem was his money. Your problem is your intellect. 
His problem was his resources. Your problem is your reasoning. The third story, he goes to the woman at the well. She's had five husbands, and the person she's living with ain't her husband now. Oh, we got a stoner. We got a, oh, you can't come in here. I know you've been married five times. You can't come to one love. Jesus looked at her and said, look at here. You're right. You, the man you're with, yeah, he ain't even your husband. You've been married five times, but that's all right. Because there's going to come a day. And she goes, oh. He said, the words that I give are life. She said, I like that. I like that. He said, woman, if you knew who you were talking to, you would drop, stop, and roll. And so what did she do? She dropped. She stopped, dropped, and rolled right on out of there and uh, held a revival for two days over his current itinerary because she didn't rely on her resources. She didn't rely on her reasoning. What did she rely on? She relied on revelation. Revelation is not something you work for. That's why Jesus was like, boy, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed it upon you. Revelation. So we sit around as church. We got the greatest resource. I, I left my phone this morning. I don't ever leave my phone, but I left my phone. And my phone has, I have 50, over 50 books in my Bible app. Everything. I used to have to lay all that mess out. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here studied the Bible for a long time? Lay all that out. You know what I'm talking about, Mama Clean. I'd be at Bible school and I'd have my concordance, my Strong's concordance. I'd have my Vines dictionary. I'd have my Bible. Then I'd have my Amplified Bible. And I'd have a notepad. Because we didn't have none of this. And a notepad. And I'd write down, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed. And I'd go over to the Strong's and I'd look up the word anointed. And it gives you 5,762 verses. So you first, first Corinthians, yeah, the, oh, that's, I'll write that down. And the next one, and you look at it, now that wasn't, that's not relevant, that's not relevant, that's not relevant. And you go back over here, and say, ooh, I like that word. So you go, I'm going somewhere, hold to me. So I'm going, and I go over there, and I look at this Vines Dictionary. Anointed. Ooh, ooh, that's good right there. And another verse, and you write that verse down, and you put your sticky note right there, and you flip over, and it gives you another verse, and you've got a counter-reference, and you go back over here, and I've done that. I can't tell you how many times I got so lost. Three hours later, I got four verses and three definitions. <laughs> now, I can lay in my bed with my coffee. Let me hold your phone. And my phone. And I'm not joking you. Boom. Word. Definition. Highlight. Open. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Copy, paste. Boom. Da, da, da. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach. Tell him. Tell him. Can I get a witness? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Exclamation point. Aren't you tired? And in 20 minutes, I can prepare an entire message with my thumb. I wish I could go back sometimes. It's easier. Easier than it's ever been. And yet I still sometimes, well, you don't like me. No, I'm not happy now. And I've got more word and more knowledge 
I don't even have I don't even highlight anymore. My phone does it for me. And he goes, Oh, listen, by the way, you like this verse? You highlighted 17 others just like it. We have so much at our grasp. It's the revel but the revelation has to come from in here. And we rise up and we say, Ah, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, therefore it's upon me. The very thing that we're looking for is on the inside of us. See, the knowledge that they partook of produced something. It produced fear. Listen to me, beloved. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you and I free from the law of sin and death. We don't have to be concerned with good and evil. Why? Because we don't have to be evil. Evil is not a part of us. How can evil dwell in good? How can light have darkness in it? But this is a revelation that grows, that we grow out of. We grow into the Lord. We grow in this knowledge. And we begin to partake more and more of Him. And we grow and we grow and we grow. Till eventually we stand up and we say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can I pray for you? Can I deliver you? Can I help you? Jesus said, as He was, so are we in this world. But you and I have to get to that place. Come on, stand with me. You and I have to get to that place where we recognize and we realize that the Spirit of the Lord, we serve a God that saves, not a God that condemns. The law demands, but grace supplies. Every day, every single day, we should wake up and we should go, Father, the Spirit of the Lord was upon you, was upon Jesus, and I claim all of that. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't have to walk in bondage. I don't have to walk in fear. I'm a friend of God. I mean, they didn't even know that we was going to be talking about this. You remove fear from the equation, you've got a friend. He don't call us servants. He calls us friends. The, the world needs this message. They need to know what is in us, what is in you. And he needs to get out on them. But that means that we've got to let go of some things. We've got to press forward. We've got to forget those things which lie behind. Deliverance and, and, and steadfastness and, and, and wealth and riches and honor and glory all are in Him. We've got to let all that other stuff go. And settle once and for all. Stop. The world doesn't need any more people telling them what they aren't doing. They need somebody to tell them what he did. All right, I'll, I'll even take it. All right, Lord, I'll even take it a step further. I'll, I'll step back. The world doesn't need you to tell them something that you don't even know yourself. So I'm going to tell you, stop looking at what you have done and what you haven't done and look at what he did, past tense. If the Bible says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, then that means nothing, nothing, nothing. There's no condemnation. Condemnation is destructive. Only friendship with Jesus. Now, he'll correct you. He'll adjust you. 
but he'll never do it. He's the kind of guy that when he shows you something, he says your breath stinks. When you get done talking with him, you go, thank you for telling me that my breath stinks. And he'll give you a toothbrush and toothpaste. He's not the one that is against us. He's in the saving business. He's not in the condemning business. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver, an extravagant giver. You and I will never embrace our destiny. You and I will never embrace the destiny of the church, let alone One Love City Church, until we embrace the destiny of Jesus. And that destiny was for us to be free, for us to be whole, for us to be prosperous, for us to be equipped. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him, was upon him to preach the gospel, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I declare that over us right now in Jesus' name. Today is the day. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm done. I'm done allowing myself to be dictated by the, by the words of society. I'm done allowing myself to be dictated by the words of religion. I only do, I only say what I hear you say. I, I only live and breathe and have my being in you, in Christ. For it's in Christ that we have these things. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am anointed. If you can't say you're anointed, then nobody else is going to say it. You are. I am anointed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are anointed. You are the righteousness.
Waymaker, linebacker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, say it. Waymaker, linebacker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Miss Laurel, come on up here. Earl, come on up here too. Yes. Come on, Miss Laurel, you come on. <clears throat> yes. Why don't you take a dolphin that we were going to earlier and then when the offering's over, I want you to give your testimony and dismiss us in prayer. Can you do that? Yeah, about this word waymaker, where it comes with our, um, bring it over into the area of our own provision. You know, it reminds me of the widow and the and that Jesus was watching, putting everything she had. This is before Social Security and so before there were government assistant programs. She placed what she had, the little she had, her provision into the hands of Jesus. He, she put it into the hands of God. She didn't have enough, and she put her provision into the hands of God. And she put her provision, security out of her own ability into the hands of God because he is the way maker. And the scripture says, where your treasure is, there was your heart. And her heart was in his security and his provision. When she doesn't have enough, he had enough. And he looks at our hearts what we do with our treasure yeah so let's say to him today you're the way maker you're the way maker you're the way maker where provision is concerned you're the way maker where security is concerned we put our heart into your hands and we should indicate that even by our offerings and our gifts in jesus name and we just thank you for your provision we thank you for miracles in the area of finances for this house in jesus name in jesus up our offering to you as an indication of our hearts before you, our hearts and our lives before you. We place it in your hands, in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and sit down and receive the offering. I just got a little short message. Uh, I was over in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, I had something that was broken on my truck, and uh, it had been broken for a while, and at uh, this particular time, uh, I really had to fix it. So I got everything out, set up to fix it, and found out that I didn't have everything to fix it. So I noticed there was a guy parked across the street from me. Uh, when I pulled up there, I noticed a guy across the street, and uh, 
as a, at about the time that I found out that I didn't have what it take, uh, the guy that was parked across the street, he had got out of his truck and came across over there where I was, and he said, uh, hey, man, can you help me with this thing? And I said, uh, what thing? He said, this thing. So he's on his phone, and he's showing me this app uh, of his uh, logbook. And uh, so he said, my, my uh, dispatcher is on the phone. So I was talking to her, and I said, hello. And she said, a jolly good day, sir. So I knew then that they really had a communications problem. And so in a little while, me and her talked and talked until we got him straight where his, he could uh, go on and use his log instead of being in violation. And so it just really goes to show me that, uh, you know, each joint supplies. And uh, the thing that I needed to fix my truck, this guy, he had it. And it also took his body weight and my body weight together to fix it, to bend it back. So each joint supplies. So everyone around you in, uh, uh, in every facet of your life, it's something they can contribute and it's something that you can contribute to them. So, uh, so just, you know, be thinking about it. I've, I've often wondered about that each joint supplies thing. And so God showed me firsthand. Uh, would y'all pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this magnificent day that you bestowed upon us, Lord. And, and Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, let, let no word go void, Lord. And, Lord, let us touch all the people that we can and love on them and show them that you are for real, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.